we're in part two of the series. Or if you remember what we talked about last week, we were talking about the rapture. My favorite subject. And there's a lot to say here with the rapture. But what I want to talk about tonight is the rapture is a, as a picture in a Jewish wedding. I don't know if you know about when you're in a relationship with the Lord, you are in a marriage covenant with the Lord. Now, you may not know that. You may not be aware of that. But God is aware of that. And God takes it very seriously. And once I begin to understand this, we talked about this briefly in Sunday school uh, a couple years ago. And it was it was a life group. Uh, and, and it was a time where we got together and we, we just discussed things. We had Bible studies. We went verse by verse through the Bible. And the Jewish wedding, to me, was one of the most important teachings that I had ever been a part of because it answered many questions. You remember we talked about the Feast of Trumpets. How many of you were here for that? The Feast of Trumpets. Okay. When we talked about that, that was a picture of the rapture. That's a picture. And I, and I encourage you, uh, maybe we can get the notes on that if, if you need. But because one is the same as the other, meaning it builds on each other. So as we go through this, we're going to use a lot of scripture, but once again, this is a teaching. It's not going to be much preaching because I want to teach it in a way that you can understand it. And trust me, if you really pay attention and listen, you will see yourself in this in this Jewish wedding. And you will see that all what God has done, that he has he, not hidden, but he has put it in the Bible to where we could read it and connect the dots. Okay? So as we go, the first stage or part one of the wedding is called the betrothal stage. Okay? It's the betrothal stage. I'm not going to try to talk the Jewish, because uh, I won't be able to pronounce it well, but the betrothal stage. So this was when God offered Israel a contract, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Now, in a Jewish wedding, they offered the, 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 the husband or soon to be husband offered what they called a ketubah. What it was is it's a marriage uh, declaration saying what the terms and conditions are. Now, in Exodus 19, verse five, it says, now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all people for all the earth is mine. Now, this was God offering himself to the Jewish people. Now, if you if you see point number two, Israel accepted it. We're in Exodus chapter 19, if you have your Bibles. It says, so Moses came and called the elders of the people and said before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, all the Lord has spoken, we will do. So God had offered himself to them. They said, Moses, all which you and God have said, we, we, we want to do that. So they accepted it. Now, the third part is the, of the betrothal stage is to be sanctified or separated. Okay, if you keep reading Exodus 19, 10 and 11, for the Lord said to Moses, go to the people, consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Now, I'm sure you can kind of see where this is going. You can see where this is going. The second stage, okay, is what you need to understand is called the hoopah. Don't, don't, yes, I know it's spelled this way because I looked it up, <laughs> but it's called the hoopah. This is a canopy 
where the bride and groom met to make the marriage official. Remember when God came down on the mountain? He came down in the cloud. Exodus 19.20 says, The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top, and Moses went up. Listen, we have a picture here. I want to show you what a modern-day hoopah looks like. They would get married underneath that. The reason they do that, it's a picture of the cloud by day and the fire by night. It's also a picture of when Moses, when, when God came down with Moses. Now, in the Jewish wedding, the bride is escorted by the groom. Okay? In Exodus 19, 17 through 18, it says, Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. And they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like a smoke of kindling and the whole mountain trembled greatly. Could you imagine being in the presence of God and seeing this cloud come down and this entire mountain shaken? Now what you need to understand is God himself said that he was Israel's husband. You can see that in Isaiah 54, 5. But then they became unfaithful to him, and God gave them a bill of divorce in Isaiah 50, verse 1. But he promised to bring them back in Isaiah 62. So you can read that on your own. We have the notes here for you. But I want you to see something in Jeremiah 31, verse 31. It says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant they broke, though I was their husband. You see that? Okay, this is an Old Testament picture of, of marriage. Now, how does this, how does this go into the New Testament? Remember, let's recap the Old Testament, Moses, had the Torah, he wrote the Torah, which is the Ketubah, which is the the Old Testament. They were sprinkled with blood in Exodus 24, verse 8. Moses and the elders went up before God in, in Exodus 24, verse 9. Then Moses and the elders saw God walking on a sapphire in Exodus 24, 10. Okay, and then Moses and the elders ate with God. In Exodus 24, 11. Do you see anything in that with the New Testament? I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. We have a new covenant. Remember? We have the blood of Jesus that cleanses us. Remember it says that Moses and the elders went up before God. That's a picture of the rapture of the church. If you read in Revelation chapter 4, verse 3, that, that God's throne is like a jasper or a sapphire. And then we will eat with God at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I want you to see that these are patterns that continue from the Old Testament into the New Testament and prophetically where we're going. See, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. You know, that's one thing about the Bible. It continually goes. When you read something in the Bible, you're like, I don't see it here. But then you see it in the New Testament. When you read it in the New Testament, you could point back to the Old Testament and say, ha, there it is. Now, we remember that Jesus came to the Jewish people and they rejected him. Remember, they said, who do you want us to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus? And the Jewish people said, release to us Barabbas, crucify Jesus. Now, in Deuteronomy 32, 21, here's where we come in prophetically. They have made me jealous with what is not God. They have provoked me to anger with their idols. 
So I will make them jealous with those who are not my people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. Do you know who that foolish nation is? That's us. That's the church. So you see the church. Remember, and Jesus spoke about uh, in Matthew 23, he was talking about how the prophets came and then they stoned them and, and killed them and rejected them. But he says in Matthew 21, 43, therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation producing fruit. Once again, that's us. Now, listen, this is not replacement teaching. And it doesn't it doesn't mean that we come in and kick Israel off to the side. God is not finished with Israel. God is going to bring Israel back. God, if you read the book of Romans towards the end, you see that God has a plan for Israel. Now, think of this in Romans eleven twenty five and 32. It says, I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, so that you will not feel proud about yourselves. Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, but this will last only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. And so all of Israel will be saved. As the scriptures say, the one who rescues will come from Jerusalem and he will turn Israel away from ungodliness. And this is my covenant with them. I will take away their sins. Many of the people of Israel are now enemies of the good news. And this benefits you Gentiles. Yet they are still the people he loves because he chose their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. For God's gift and his call can never be withdrawn. Once you Gentiles were rebel, rebels against God, but when the people of Israel rebelled against him, God was merciful to you instead. See that? Now they too are rebels and God's mercy has come to you so that they too will share in God's mercy. Why am I reading all this about Israel? Because as we begin to talk about the tribulation period and all this, this is the time of Jacob's trouble. If you see in the news, it seems like the United States is backing away from Israel, right? You see that in the news. And that will be our, our downfall. That, 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 you know, the Bible says, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. But listen, this is all part of God's plan. Because during the tribulation period, the Israel will not be able to look to America to save them. Their eyes will be focused on God Almighty. And God Almighty will come and rescue the Jewish people. So this is all part of God's plan. Now, as we continue going forward, remember, the first part is the betrothal stage. Betrothal stage. Probably can't say that right. And then the second part is the hoopa stage. What does that have to do with you and me? I'm glad you asked. Listen, the betrothal stage is considered the taking. He redeems us. In Galatians 3.13, he redeemed us from the curse of the law. The second stage is the hoopah or consummation stage. It's the receiving and the bringing. You ever heard that song, Church I'm Leaving, Going to a Meeting? You never heard that song? It's old time country gospel. That's what it is. We're leaving here one day. Some of you must want to stay. Listen. We're leaving this place. 
We are going to streets of gold to walk in the presence of King Jesus, to sit at tables where we will be kings and priests unto our God. We will sit with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and Paul and Peter and Job and all these great people. You will sit with 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 your brothers and sisters. You will have infinite knowledge. You will know everything and everybody will know you. The Bible says you will be known as you were known. That means you will have perfect knowledge. You will be able to Go up to Paul and have a conversation as if you've been knowing him all of your life. There is no sickness, no cancer wards in heaven. It is pure joy. And it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Now let's look at the, the particulars of the Jewish wedding. Number one, the bride was selected. What would happen is... The, 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 the son would be walking around a market. He would say, oh, she's kind of cute. So then he would go up to her and he would talk to her. And remember, this is this is a Western mentality when we have engagements and all this. We take him to the movies, take him eat and all that. This is a, this is totally different. The Bible is a Middle Eastern book. If you keep it in the Middle Eastern mentality, you begin to understand some truths. What happens is we, we take it into the Western mindset and we drop all the, the diamonds and jewels because we're trying to make it fit our way of life. But when you keep it Middle Eastern, you see the picture as what God intended us to see. So he would return to his father's house and say, Dad, I met a girl. And I really believe that this is the one that I want to marry. John fifteen sixteen, You did not choose me, but I chose you. Now, this is personal to you. You are the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. Then point number two, they would go to a meeting set up by the father, by the daddy. They would show up, they would sit at a table, it would be the bride, the dad, and the son. And during this time, we would call this an engagement, but this is the first part of the wedding. There's no engagement here, this is the wedding. Then, sad to say, he would, you know, give, offer camels and bracelets and, and whatnot, she would have to be bought. She, you know, so he would make an offer and then she would have to say that, that she receives that offer. First Corinthians 620, for you were bought with a price. This is the ketubah that is laid out. This is saying, this is my promise to you. This is what I expect from you. So the ketubah would be sat down. They would read it together. And then everything would be discussed about what's going to happen. This contract would immediately, they would read it and they would say, I agree to this. We have a ketubah. It's called the Bible. Understand this. Everything in this book is for us. Every promise, everything is for us. And everything in this book tells us what he will do for us. And it tells us what we are to do with him. So you see that this is a picture. Once again, First Peter 1, 18 through 20. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. 
So you see, it's a new covenant with better promises. Number three, the acceptance of the agreement. She would read it. She would be willing to accept it. Now, you got to keep this in mind. She's now saying, okay, he is mine and I am his. Now I am off of the market. I must be separate from all others. At that point, she would say, I confess you as my husband. Remember in Romans 10 verse 9 says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Then the fourth part, they would drink from a silver cup, which is the cup of redemption. That's what silver represents in the Bible. Now, think about this. This seals the deal. This isn't like, just like a handshake deal. You know, like nowadays we got to get a lawyer. We got to make sure that it's, it's written and maybe I can get out of it if I read it a certain way or word it a certain way. That's not how it was. When you drank that cup, you were entering into relationship. We do the same thing in Luke 22 verse 20. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten saying, this is the cup that is poured out for you. This is the new covenant in my blood. Then remember in Luke twenty two seventeen and 18, he says that he will not drink it again until the end into the kingdom comes. Remember that? So you can see once again a perfect picture of our relationship with the Lord. Now, at this point, they will separate for approximately 12 months, but they are married. They are married. They are together. They are joined together. And how do we know this? Remember in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. It says, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. How could he divorce her if they were not married? You see, they just hadn't carried through the consummation stage. So once again, you see a picture in the New Testament, the same as it is with us. The New Living says engaged. So you see, but really they were betrothed, which I just talked to you about the beginning of what a marriage is. Number five, gifts were given. Remember this? We're given gifts of the Holy Spirit. Listen, the, bar- the bride was given gifts as a token of the love. This is where we get engagement rings from. You know, you look down an engagement ring. Oh, I'm going to be married soon. <laughs> oh, okay. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, we were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance, listen, until we acquire possession of it. The Holy Spirit is on the inside of you bearing witness that you are his and that he is yours. It's the wedding ring. Then you're you're given gifts. You know, the nine gifts of the Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. Point number six, there was a separation by washing. Remember, Earlier, when I told you about how God had them to be sanctified and washed. Now, this is called the mikvat. And what they would do is they would go and they would they would wash in a mikvat bath, which which sanctification. This was to confess to all that she was taken. You see where we get the picture of baptism. 
That's why we encourage you to carry on in your relationship with baptism. Yes, baptism does not save you, but it's a symbol. It's a picture of what is happening on the inside of you. Remember in Acts, Peter told them, repent and be baptized, every one of you. So once again, we see a picture of a Jewish wedding and how it represents. The reason I want to tell you this is because anytime you see something about when Jesus gives parables about marriage or about weddings, he is he's displaying a truth. He is using what is there and teaching us something prophetically. Ephesians 5, 25 and 27. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So let's wrap it up here. The life application is what? We are chosen. We've accepted the word. We've been given gifts. We choose to obey his word. We enter into a covenant. And celebrated with communion and were baptized in water. This is the first part. Now, having said that, this is where we are. Right? We've done all of this. We're married to Christ. But have we yet went into the consummation stage? Not yet. So at this point, this is what happens. The groom gets up along with the father. They escort her out and they leave. The groom departs. John 14, 2. Could you guess what he probably told his bride? In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. And there where I am, you will be also. See, he would go back to his father's house and build a place for them to live on the father's house. It would be on the property, but it would be separate. And it would be, they would stay there for seven days. Now Mark thirteen thirty two, But concerning the day nor the hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the son, but only the father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. If someone asks the groom, hey man, when you go and get your bride, you know what he would say? Only my father knows. You see, what would happen is the guy would have to go and build something. And when the dad walked out and says, this is good enough, now go and get your bride. He was the one that made the decision when when the husband can go and get the bride. Do you see a picture here? Point number eight, the consecration of the bride. Second Corinthians 617 says, wherefore, come out from among them and be separate. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. So this is what she does. She goes back to her friends, and she says, you know what? I'm getting married, or I am married. I'm separating. Check out the gifts he gave me. And you know what her friends would say? Wow, I want to be married. I want to receive gifts. She's now separate, and they want what she has. Are you seeing How we are to be separate, and yet we should be enticing the world to come into a relationship. So she would separate herself. She would be a faithful witness. And also in the Middle East, they would wear a veil on their face, signifying that they were unavailable. So that means when she was seen immediately, they knew that she was taken and off the market. Let me ask you this. Can you tell, can people tell that you're taken 
and off the market by the outward lifestyle that you live? Can they look at you and say, that is a Christian. That, that is someone whose heart is undefiled. See, she would not be able to go and live the same life as she once lived before. Now listen, it's easy when the groom is away to get your eyes back on things of the world. Right? I mean, Jesus is gone. I mean, maybe you've gone in your, in your relationship and say, man, I just don't know. I felt his presence at one time. I just don't know. I'm struggling. Is this even real? That's no different than what a bride would feel. But then her friends would come and say, no, he loves you. No, he's given you gifts. No, he's promised you. Do you see a picture of the church? Should be encouraging. Keep on. Keep moving. Keep going forward. Keep learning about him. Keep keep believing. She would also have to keep an oil lamp lit in her house because she did not know if the husband would come back at midnight. So this is why you see her with, with lamp. That's why it says, keep your lamp full of oil. Remember in Matthew 25, 4 through 6. But the wives took all in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at the midnight cry, at the midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out and meet him. Now it says, in, remember in Ecclesiastes 9, 8, it says, keep your garments white. And let not oil be lacking on your head. Be, remember in, Matt, in, uh, in Matthew, be ye ready also for an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Now point number nine, the return of the bridegroom. Are you seeing the correlation? I'm hoping that you're seeing yourself. Are you saying, I have oil in my lamp? I'm waiting. I'm getting weary. Are, are you thinking that? Marriages were called the receiving. Okay? So this is what would happen. You would go into the hoopah stage, which is the consummation stage. Matthew 25, 6. At the midnight, there was a cry. Here comes the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Listen, he would come secretly and unannounced. The groom's father would say, now is the time to go. That's why it says... In Matthew 24, 36, but concerning the day nor the hour, no one knows, not even the angels or nor the son, but my father only. Remember, we talked about this in the context of the Feast of Trumpets. Well, Feast of Trumpets is also called the Haggadashin, which is the wedding of the Messiah. During the Davidic kingdoms, they would get married during the Feast of Trumpets. Do you see in the no man knows the day nor the hour is a perfect picture once again of the Feast of Trumpets, and also the wedding. Jesus was using Jewish idioms to a Jewish audience. Joel 2, verses 15 and 16, Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the church, the children and the nursing babes. Listen to this part. Let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. Do you know what the dressing room is? This earth. We're in preparation. Listen, your whole life is in preparation for the consummation point when you get to heaven. Everything that you do on this earth, the end result of man is that they glorify God and stand in his presence one day and say, Lord, this is what you've given me to do and I have done it. I have glorified you. This is a dress rehearsal for standing and walking in the King of Kings and Lord of Lords courts. 
That's all this is. People are gathering trinkets and toys, trying to build little ant piles bigger than each other. Listen, all of that is going to get burned and thrown into the fire. All that will count is what you do for the Lord. Yes, while we're here, we occupy, we make a living, but your heart should not be cemented and buried in the ground, but it should be set on the things of God, set on the things of heaven, because when the last shot is fired, that is all we will have in our heavenly bank account. Then there's two witnesses. There's the Jewish wedding. They had two witnesses, one for the groom, one for the bride. In the Old Testament, it was Elijah and Enoch, who I believe are the two witnesses that come back during the book of Revelation, because that's the only two people to have never died. And the two witnesses are killed, raised from the dead miraculously, and the whole world wonders. But then in the New Testament, you have two witnesses. You have John the Baptist. Remember in John 3, 28 and 29, you yourselves bear me witness. I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom, the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. You remember when Jesus was walking on the banks and John said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was saying, that's the groom. That's who you follow. Then you have Paul the Apostle. 2 Corinthians eleven two. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to one husband. That to Christ I may present you as a pure virgin. You know how he did that? Through the writing of the New Testament. He is showing you how to live. He is showing you how Christ is. He is showing you everything that is pertaining to us. Are you getting this? I hope I'm not losing you. Okay. Let's let's keep going. The groom would then send his groomsmen at midnight and they would announce his arrival. In Matthew 25, 6, it says, but at midnight there was a shout. Behold, the bridegroom come out to meet him. Remember in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, what does it say? For the Lord himself would descend from heaven, what? With a shout and with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God. We, we talked about what the trumpets were in the Feast of Trumpets, and now we're seeing what the shout is. Are you seeing God is painting us a perfect picture? There is announcement and there is a, tr- a trumpet. Now, during this time, remember, they would have lamps lit. But here's the key. I want to bring out something here. With the wicks, if you did not keep your, your wick trimmed, you would just, in your house, would have black smoke. That would get on your walls, get on everything, and it would, it would put out the fire. Let me ask you a question. Is your life black smoke when it should be light? In other words, are you walking in the light or are you being negligent in your spiritual walk? And all people see is black smoke. They cannot see the light. It's aggravating. It gets on everything. It gets in their mind. They say, if that's a Christian, I don't want to be a Christian. So you see that that God Almighty is showing us something through every aspect of this wedding. Remember, b- therefore, be on alert. You don't know what time your Lord is coming. Luke 12, 35 and 37, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their masters to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open to, to the door, open the door to him who wants when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants who, when the master finds, awake when he comes. Remember, we talked about sleeping. 
last week. We talked about what it means to sleep. And we talked about how the Lord will not sneak up on those that are watching and that are awake. Point number 10. The bride is caught up and brought to a to the, the hoopah. Let's look at a picture of an Aperion. They would come and get her in this. Four people would be carrying her and she would be escorted to the wedding, escorted into the presence of the groom. Think about this in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 18. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive or in our left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord. They w- she was carried into the presence of God, into the, into the groom. Just like we, the earthly bride, will be carried into the presence of God. And at that point, we enter into what is called the hoopah stage. Are you seeing how... Being carried off into the presence of the groom is the same thing that happens with us. But here's the key. They're there for seven days. They go in in the hoopah and they, they have a consummation time. Now look, there's many different theories, but there's one that makes sense. If the earth is just to say 6,000 years old and there's a millennial reign of Christ, which is a 1,000 years, that's 7,000 years of existence. Could it, you know, the Bible says that a day It's like a thousand years. Think about that. A day is like a thousand years. So when you have seven days, you're looking at symbolism. You're looking at symbolism here. Psalms 27, 5, for he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me, conceal me under the cover of his tent. Once again, you see a picture of the Lord judging the world, pouring out his wrath and his bride is hidden. Remember, we read this verse last week, Isaiah 26. It's one of the most clearest verses for the rapture in the Old Testament. Come, my people, enter your chambers. Enter your chambers and shut the doors behind you. Hide yourself for a little while until the fury has passed by. Behold, the Lord is coming out of his place to punish the inhabitants of his earth, of the earth for their iniquity. Then point number 11, the marriage supper of the Lamb. So I want you to see this. The rapture of the church, they go into the consummation area for seven days. After the seven days, the bride and groom would come out of their chamber and go into a marriage feast where everyone would be waiting for them. Revelation 19.9, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And you know what happens here? This is where the cup is drink, 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 drunken. With Jesus. Remember he says in my father's kingdom. So we sit down. We celebrate. And then the couple a week after this. Is escorted. By people. And they are considered to be kings and queens. Now I want you to see something in Revelation 19. 11 through 16. This is a picture of the second coming. The rapture and the second coming. Are two separate events. Okay. Once again we could. We could talk about this for days. I love talking about this. But listen, the rapture is is the catching away. The second coming is him coming and landing and ruling and reigning. So he does not come back twice. It's a gathering. It's a catching away. If you understand the feast, you will understand that it's a it's a gathering. It's the great assembly or the Bible calls it the general assembly or the resurrection of the dead. You could call it the second coming is not the resurrection of the dead. 
He comes down here and invades an army that is about to destroy Israel. And he comes back as our mighty warrior. We'll read it here. Then I saw heaven. I saw heaven open to behold a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judge and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire. And on his head are many diadems. He has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in the blood and the name by which he is called the word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. I don't know if you like to ride horses, but get ready. And says, from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations and will rule them with a rod of iron. And he will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the almighty. Now, listen, remember, I told you that he was escorted. When we come back, we come back with the Lord on white horses with armies in heaven. Now, it's interesting when you read Matthew 25, 31, it says, but when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, that means when we come back with Jesus, we will be escorted. Remember, I told you the king and queen after they were married for a week after that, they would be escorted. We have heavenly angel angelic escorts accompanying us. Listen, it does not matter nuclear weapons. It does not matter if every country on the face of the earth comes together against Israel. When Jesus Christ comes back and we are with him, we won't even have to fire a shot. And then all the angels. Remember, when Jesus said, I could call a, a legion of angels. If that would have happened, everybody in that place would have been destroyed. One angel could take on thousands of people. So you have the, the, the saints of the living God, which is us, the bride of Christ, along with an army of angels. What do you think they're going to say on CNN? <laughs> when they're looking in and, and, and all the world, I've been to that place at the Valley of Armageddon for 200 miles. is just empty. Nothing there. When I was there, I was videoing and they had some guys. This was in 2000 under, you know, how when we go hunting, we put that thing over us. Some of you hunters may know what that's called. I, I don't, <laughs> but they put it, we put that over us. When I was there, I was videoing and all along the mountains, when I videoed and I wasn't supposed to do this, there was a couple of times I wasn't supposed to video, I, I videoed an Arab base in Jericho and they were like, dude, don't video that. I was like, oh, what are they going to (laughs) do? So anyway, I I saw someone, he saw me and he put his gun. And then when I adjusted my eyes, there were people all along this mountain in 2000 waiting, I guess, for some military battle, military strike, or maybe just practice. But listen, that place will be full with the armies and God himself will lead them. The Bible says he will put hooks in their jaws and draw them into that place. And then God's going to open the ground and swallow them. And he's going to rain fire and brimstone down from him. Listen, I don't we don't serve a lip wristed Jesus. We serve an all powerful king. That's why he rules with a rod of iron. He's not going to ask the United Nations. Hey, you think I can put the Ten Commandments? A rod of iron is so he can break your knees if you don't bow. Come on, somebody. We're serving the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That means he will not ask us. He tells nations to come before him and celebrate a feast. And the Bible says if they say no, he will cut off their rain supply. 
That's in your Bible. So God Almighty will be ruling. But listen, he's a heavenly king, but he is a perfect king. Every judgment he makes will be absolutely perfect. It will be beneficial to his kingdom. There will never be a time where he will not make a mistake. He will, he will make a mistake. Never will he make a mistake. Every judgment that he makes will be perfect. And remember this. Most kings are selfish. Most kings just want what they want. They pass laws. But listen, we serve a king who loves his people. Who will desire to the millennial kingdom, the thousand year reign of Christ when Satan is bound in the in the abyss. It will be perfect peace on this earth as never before. Do you realize when Jesus came and lived on this earth for 33 years, there was not one war on this earth. In Rome, it was called the gates of Janus. When that when that gate was open, it means that they were at war. But that gate never opened while Jesus Christ was on this earth because he is the prince of peace. Now, if you keep if we keep going. Luke 21, verse 28, it says, now, when you see all of these things begin to take place, straighten up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. When you when, listen, this you get this. When you begin to see these things, famines, pestilence, earthquakes, diverse places, nations against nation, ethnic group against ethnic group. All of these things that you are now seeing every single day on the news. There were like 40 volcanoes that erupted last month. Remember we talked about in the blood moons message that the blood moons would be accompanied by pillars of smoke and volcanic activity. Remember I told you that volcanic activity would begin and, and remember National, National Geographic and the Smithsonian Institute says we are in a season of volcanic activity if there is even such a thing. But Joel says that that would happen when the moon was turned to blood and the sun was darkened and we are in the midst of that. Listen, the king is coming. The king is coming. And then Daniel speaks about an antichrist coming. And the first thing he does is he costs craft to prosper. You know what that means in Bible time typology? He brings back a worldwide economic collapse. I'm seeing on Yahoo News that they're talking about a worldwide economic collapse. We saw Greece fall. We see that our dollar is losing its value. You can see a worldwide economic collapse coming even now. We see the ability for the mark of the beast. Now, I ain't even get into what that all that could be. But you see, you have all of these things. There is a weapon that is used in the book of Zechariah that it is able to, to melt your skin off of your body and, and dissolve your eyeballs in your, in your eye and in, in your tongue and your mouth and bones just simply fall. The Bible talks about a plague and they actually used it in Israel on a terrorist group. Remember we thought we, we were in a service and the guy was talking about this and he hit it. They, they shot this missile at a bus and everyone on the inside, which was a terrorist organization, burned alive. All of their skin, eyeballs, tongue dissolved in their socket. What I'm telling you is that is here. That is all the things that you read about in the Bible are here today. 
you read something in the Bible and you're like, I don't understand. The Bible says that the two witnesses will be killed and the whole world will see it. How is that possible? Pull that little thing out of your purse or off the side of your hip or in your back pocket or if you're a metro in the front pocket. (laughs) It's a joke. We have an inside joke on that. Never mind. These things bomb. But they go good and when we talk, I'm okay. No, but listen, seriously, your phone on your pocket, you are engaged with the entire world. You can see things as they happen. Never before have we been able to see that. Listen, from the time of Adam to the 1900s, everybody rode on horses. Now you can have lunch in one country and supper in another. The Bible says in the last days, knowledge shall increase and men will travel to and fro. See, if you sit here and say, well, they've been saying that for years. Never has there been a time where everything is happening one, one at a time, every single day, nonstop. The Bible says when the birth pangs, you know how it is. I never had a baby. Some of you women had babies. You know what it's like before you give birth. It's worse and worse and worse. That is what you see happening every single day. You can go down in the book of Luke or the book of Matthew and you will see a news report on everything that is in this Bible during that time. I challenge you to go into Matthew 24, read it and grab a newspaper. You will see headline after headline after headline showing us Jesus is saying, I'm coming back. Watch and be ready. Can we stand? Remember what I told you earlier. The Bible says when you begin to see these things, when you begin, we're beginning to see these things. It's almost like you can hear the footsteps of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Listen, we're close. Whatever it is that is holding you down, cut that thing loose. The sin that so easily entangles you. Put that thing in a boat and kick it far from you. Now is the time to lay it down and to walk with Christ. If there was ever a time, listen, the Lord could return and we could disappear out of this church. That's how close we are. And I know they've been saying that for years and for years. And if you yourself say that. The Bible mentions you in in the Bible. It says in the last days, scoffers will come. Saying, where is the promise of his coming? You know what that means? Saying, not that he's not coming, it's just, he's been, they've been saying that. Don't be one of those that say, they've been saying that. Then there's the group of people that says, oh brother, I just don't watch all that stuff. I don't, cause I, you know, I don't want to watch all that. It, it, you know, because I, I feel like if I watch that, I get fearful. Listen, when you're in Christ, when you see that stuff, It should excite you and it should make you want to be motivated to go tell other people, listen, the door on the ark is about to shut. Get on the boat. Come on. You're in Sodom and Gomorrah. It's time to get out of this place and don't look back. Come on. That's where we are. That's where we are. The greatest prophecy scholars that there is are loving this time. They're saying people have no clue. How close we are. Now, I'm not, I'm not giving time periods, but I'm just telling you, we're closer than we were five years ago. Listen, in the past two years, more prophecy has happened than the last 10 years. It is speeding. We're on crunch time. We're, I'm telling you, it's as almost as if the Lord is standing up, ready to come back. 
My question to you, are you ready? Are you ready to meet King Jesus? Are you ready to split this sky and stand before the King of Kings and give an account for your life? If not, I want to encourage you. Live every single day as if, as if it is your last. If someone came to you and said, listen, you have a terminal disease. You have two days to live. How would you live your life? Well, I'm not telling you you have two days. We could be done today, tonight. The bridegroom could come. The trumpet, you could, the trumpet could be sounded. Are you ready to meet him? Listen, if there's anyone here that does not know the Lord, let me see your hand. This is not the time to play church. Thank you, Jesus. And listen, if, if you are here and you can say, man, I missed it. I've, I've been living my own thing. I don't have the veil on my face. I'm not walking. I'm not. I have other lovers in my life. Listen, let me encourage you. Just as I encourage myself, lay those things down. Walk with a pure conscience, a pure heart before the King of Kings. Let this message invigorate, burn on the inside of you. And you go to people and tell them, listen, Jesus loves you. He has, he has emptied heaven for you on the cross of Calvary. Receive him because he's coming to receive you. So let me pray with you. Father, we come to you in the name of your son, Jesus. Lord, we just simply lift our arms, Lord, and we welcome you back, God. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are coming for your church, God. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have spared us from wrath, God, that you have spared us, God, that you are protecting your church, God. Father, we thank you right now, God, that you have called us into your kingdom. Lord, I pray, Lord God, that you would enrage our hearts, God, with love for the lost, God, to lay everything aside, God, and make that our top priority, Lord, to talk to every family member, to talk to every friend, cousins. It does not matter who it is, God, that we would have a spirit of evangelism, God. Father, we know that your spirit is being poured out all over this world, God. Lord, we simply ask, don't pass us by, God. Don't pass us by, Lord. We know that we are in a lukewarm state in America, God. But Father, we repent. God, we ask that you would forgive us, Lord, as we see the day approaching, God. Father, Find us without spot or wrinkle, God. Help us to be pure, God. We lay these things down. Come on, there's things in your life. Bring that to the Lord. Say, Lord, take this from me. I don't want this, God. I want to be a, a, a woke, God, when, when you come, Lord. I want to be watching, God. I lay this sin. Let's just call it what it is. I lay this sin. I, list, I, lift, I lay complacency down, God. I lay weariness down. Come on, some of you are weary, just like we talked about in this book. In this message, I'm here to encourage you. He loves you. He has gifts he's given you. He's empowered you. Yes, he still loves you. It does not matter if you have not felt his presence. He is, he is married to you. He has given you his spirit. Spend time with him in the word during worship. Father, we thank you right now. God, we just honor you. God, we just pray, Lord, we come back to our first love, which is simple relationship, God thankful for what you saved us from lord thankful for empowering us god thank you for gracing us god and father we just come before you asking lord clear our minds clear our hearts lord as we await your return father we thank you we love you lord that we are privileged to ascend into your presence lord when that trumpet sounds 
In Jesus' name, I pray and ask. And everyone said amen and amen.